Welcome to Shrinking It Down, Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Ellen Broughton, co-director of the Clay Center for Young Healthy Minds, and today we are going to be talking about a topic that is of great interest to me. We're going to be talking about the economic realities of young adulthood and what that means for families, not just of young adults, but also thinking ahead. If you're a parent of a middle schooler, thinking ahead to what life is going to be like for the next not only six years of your life, but maybe 16 or 20 years of your life. So um, we have a guest with us today, Rand Sparrow, who is interested in this topic because he is a financial planner. I am interested in this topic because over the years, I've advised parents on topics such as college and whether or not it's a good idea. Usually I think it's a great idea for families. And my ideas about this have really been revised over the years because it's a, it's a complicated issue. And it's not the same issue as it was 20 or 30 years ago. So let's get started, though. Rand, do you mind introducing yourself? Sure. Thanks, Ellen. Um, my name's Rand Spiro. I'm founder of financial fee-only firm, Street Smart Financial. And we talk to a lot of families. And one of the issues that continuously is coming up is supporting of children. And when does it stop? Uh, you know, it, traditionally, people, when they graduated high school or college, the young adults were kind of on their own. And now the rules are kind of unclear of who's to do what and who's responsible for what. Yeah. And and you uh, provided some statistics, which I think are very interesting, it, that really also show that parents are supporting young adults in the post-college years more than ever. Now, I let me, I'll read some of these statistics, but let me share that I think, again, these issues start much, much before young adulthood. So that, I'd like to talk about that too, but let's start with some facts. So here are, are some... Uh, things that seem to be consistent. Half of all young adults are experiencing downward mobility. 43% of college graduates are underemployed. Now, we might be able to talk about what underemployed means, but a, but a large number of people who are college graduates are underemployed these days. This is something that's not going to be a surprise. Uh, another fact, college tuitions have risen since 1980, over eight times the average middle-class income. It almost takes your breath away to think about that. And since 1965, the likelihood to live until 90 years has doubled, and longevity is costly, which really relates to parents who are spending an awful lot of money on college instead of their retirement. And 50% of parents supporting their young adults say this hampers their own upcoming retirement. That's a lot of statistics, and it relates not just to the kids, but also to the parents. Um, what is it that, that got you interested in thinking about these issues, and how long ago was it for you? Because I can, I can say for myself, it's been in the last 10 to 15 years that this has really come to the forefront of my practice with, with families. Well, I guess I'd answer in two parts. Uh, professionally, a lot of parents that are approaching or considering their own retirement are starting to uh, take a look at the fact that they look at their own longevity and say, gosh, we might be, if they're 55, maybe we might be living 40 years more. Do we have enough funds to cover this? And by the way, where are all our various expenses going? 
and and a lot of it does go to families and to, to their children. And these are worthwhile things, and these are things parents care about. And so they say, well, we, we, we're doing this because it's something that's of big value to us, but is this going to impact our retirement? And in some cases, it, it does. And so trade-offs are starting to be discussed a lot of times in my practice. On a personal level, I have children who are now in their mid-20s, and um, I, I did, it, it, it snuck up on me. In other words, when my children were in high school, of course I was supposed to, and my wife was responsible for their expenses, and in college, yes, but then they graduated, and all of a sudden they're still on our cell phone uh, plan, and why are we still paying for their car insurance, and when is this going to end, and do we even have a plan? So I found it amazing as a financial planner that this was creeping up on us, and we didn't really have an exit strategy. I can say the same thing as a child psychologist, that I have children same ages, and they are both on my cell phone plans, and they vacation with me, and when we go out to dinner, I pay. And it's it's definitely different than it was for our generation. Most of my friends couldn't wait to get out of the family system. And the thought of taking a vacation with your parents was not something you did for fun. Um, it's something you did out of duty. And it's so it's it's different. There are some wonderful things like our kids want to spend more time with us. But at the same time, we don't have an ex exit plan, uh, strategy. It, I asked somebody not that long ago, I was in a business meeting here at, at Mass General, and there was someone there who was, t we were talking about cell phones and how our kids are all in our cell phone packages. And one woman who was in her 30s and had young children, um, she said, oh, yes, I, the the thing is, you don't really go off, off your parents' cell phone until you get married. <laughs> and so, but even then, I'm not sure that's the case anymore. But I think there are really two issues here. One is about college planning. Like, how do you manage that? Because that's a huge financial issue. And the other is about more ambiguous boundaries after college or even after high school, after someone has finished what we thought was a, a marker in, in their lives. And you and I were talking before we went on the air about how it used to be very clear in our generation. You finished high school, you went into the military, you went into a job, or you went on to college, you finished college, and you went in, in, to work. There was no idea that you would ever come back to your your family. So I don't know, maybe we should start with the, with the college issue first on how you see that impacting families and the decisions that they have to make when they're thinking about college. Oh, that's a good point. And one of the things that as we're talking, it might sound like we're saying that there's like a good guy and a bad guy. The yeah. good guy are the parents because they're just taking on all this responsibility and the young adults you know, they should get, get on with and take on the responsibility. But the challenges are economic. And some of them are that college is so much more expensive today. You cited a statistic. Uh, the average tuition is going up four times the rate of inflation. So the student debt, which is $1.5 trillion out there, is massive. And the cost of housing, particularly in urban areas, is so high so that more and more young adults are moving back home. And they have um, some young adults after they graduate college have very uh, well-paying jobs, and a lot of them don't. And so the disparity and the, the, the stress on the young adults today is so great that um, 
it's, it's understandable that they actually need the support. Uh, getting to your question about college, this again is a major financial issue because of the cost of colleges. I, I, I have fairly affluent people coming to my office to do a plan and they are shocked after they take a look at how much money they have to uh, pay for their um, children in college, how little is left over. And so you start asking tough questions. Is college really appropriate for everybody? Does everybody really need or want to go to a private college? Um, and if you have multiple children, what is the, what, what's the ramifications if front-loading this for the first child or two? And so I think the issue of just isn't it great to get a college education, and that's the definition of success, now has to be qualified for is it worth it? And if it is, how are we going to pay for it? And let's ask some difficult questions. Yes, I, I really believe that. And I, in my work as a child neuropsychologist, I've been doing this now 25, 30 years, I really used to think that my number one job was to get kids into college, to get kids with learning differences and attention issues, feeling confident of themselves as learners and and really using the accommodations that they could in order to get into college and be successful. And many students did that, and it was the appropriate decision, absolutely. But I used to go with the mindset that that was appropriate for everyone. And I think even when we look at different organizations, like it used to be the, the Gates Foundation used to say college education for everybody, which is Kind of, even then, I was sort of, like, sort of crazy. Well, every if everyone is college educated, who's who's going to do the jobs that don't require a college education but are necessary for our society's survival? And it, it so I've really revised my thinking. And one of the things that I have been counseling parents on is, does your child is, are they desperate to go to college? Because kids who really are college bound generally really want to go to college. I, you know, they love school and they show it by excelling in school and enjoying school. So that's one category of kids. There's another category of kids who really want a certain job that requires a college education, nursing, teaching. There are lots of engineering, lots of things that do. But I also find myself working with a good number of kids who don't fit into any of those categories, but their parents think it's absolutely necessary that they go to college. And many of those parents do not have the economic means to do it. And I see many parents getting second mortgages on their homes, um, borrowing from their uh, parents who also have retirement needs or may all, you know, already be in a retirement um, living situation. So I, I feel like we need to think about each child individually in terms of what's their career path and also to stop thinking that there's this one right or wrong way to do this, that at 18 you have to go to college, that you can you can go back to college at age 30. Yes. Um, and it, that, that used to also be the way that things used to be done too. Yes, and I, I, I've seen um, there's been a couple of cases where I've, I've talked to families, and it's quite clear that the young, the high school graduate is not ready to go to college. Right. He, right. he barely showed up to class exactly. in high school. There was an attitude. There was a certain level of immaturity, and leaving home was not going to 
improve this in a college setting. And on a, on a couple of success stories that I've seen with families uh, is, is gap years, maybe. Yes. And you probably you know, yes. see that a lot. But the, the ability to wait a year or two and gain some of the maturity. And I just was dealing with a family last week who was so pleased that their child took two years off. Uh, he wanted to do something in the theater. Well, he worked in a the theater. He yes. had to be up till 2 o'clock in the morning setting stage. Design, but he still wanted to do it. And when he went back to college, he was now ready. And and he his parents had the feeling, well, it might not be the most lucrative career, but we know he has the passion. Before, they had no idea. Right. And it would have been a waste of funds. Yes. And I am a big believer in internships and, and doing a gap year that doesn't cost more than college. That's Absolutely. also another <laughs> trap that parents can fall into. And if you can afford it, great. But if you can't, uh, there's nothing wrong with working on a farm, with working on a it, it, working almost anywhere is really great educational experience for most kids. Um, so I think that's that's definitely something to keep in mind. You brought up a few points that I think are worth repeating, and that is what are the signs that when I see a child who's not ready for college, if you are not showing up for class in high school, you will not show up for class in college. And I have been really blunt lately with parents and saying that it's not right. In fact, what you might be creating is a depressed kid. We're also seeing increased rates of depression, suicidality, anxiety. So we're sending kids who are saying to us through their actions, I don't want to do this. And we're sending them there anyway. And then surprised when six months later they call and they're, you know, acutely depressed. Well, we need to listen to what they're saying. And I think that's important that the things that you are seeing are also things. And and it's funny how when you say to a child, listen, I I'm hearing what you're saying. We're going to back off how then they can kind of take ownership and control of the narrative. And it's it can be very hard for parents to let that go because you don't want to be the only parent in this high-achieving school that you've worked hard to get your child into or you moved into a neighborhood with the great school system. You don't want to be the only one at high school graduation who says, you know, when, to the answer to the question, what's your child doing? Oh, he's taking a gap year. Well, what's, where is he going? Is he going to Paraguay or yeah. you know, where is he? Is he counting penguins and, you know, in the North Pole or whatever? Yeah. No, no, he's, he's working at Dunkin' Donuts for a year while he figures things out. That doesn't feel okay to a lot of parents right yeah. now. Right. And, and I think one of the things that people who are facing this economic reality are doing, and their they're, they're children, you see an increased, for instance, participation in vocational schools. So in fairly affluent communities, there is such a demand, and this is very recent, for vocational educations that there's limited space. And um, this was not the case before. It used to be a default, oh, well, your, your son or daughter is not very good in that school. I guess they're going to this vocational program. Now people are saying, you know, the vocational program is teaching concrete skills that gets my child excited, that's going to provide a good livelihood for that person, and it's something they really care about. And so there's a congruity that's actually coming together now that wasn't there before. And I think even if it's economically forced, psychologically, it, it's working to the benefit of the student who's now saying, this is what I want to do. And now it's considered pretty 
like a smart move to do. It is a smart move to do, yes. Not, I mean, most of us, we want to do something that we feel product that makes us feel productive and that we can master. And so I, I see from a child development standpoint, we're often asking kids who cannot master certain tasks to do something that they're not naturally inclined to do, nor will lead to a good job as well. So I think that, we, yeah, we've got to start thinking about vocational programs and even changing curriculum in school that matches the job market better. We really tend to think of college prep, AP classes as the utmost um, marker of a great high school experience, and it really isn't. You know, when, I, when I grew up many years ago in Wisconsin, there were a, there were a range of courses for kids to choose from, including auto mechanics, including home economics, including um, welding even. And there were a lot of kids who left college really prepared to do, or left high school, sorry, really prepared to do some great jobs. And for those of us who are college bound, we were really prepared for college. But we kind of have this idea that one type of student is the perfect kind of student, and we need to get away from that. Right. And, and as people get older and as, as students uh, or young adults enter their mid-20s, another issue that parents might have to let go of is that their, their young adult has to live a certain lifestyle. Like, oh, well, they, they can't have roommates. They're at a certain age or they have to do this or do that. Well, there's something about having the young adults have some hardships that they have to go through, it, not terrible hardships, but some challenges to show some resiliency. Maybe you don't join a fancy health club. Maybe you don't do this. Maybe the, the 20s deals with their own young adults dealing with trade-offs. Yes. Yes. It might even mean moving to a town you don't really love because that's where a, a better paying job is. Yes. And we, we you know, kids tend to think these days in urban areas, which which is great. I mean, I love living in an urban area too, but I didn't at the beginning of my career. Um, and so it's it, it you might have to take that not great job for a year or two in I don't want to Boise, Idaho. Not there's anything wrong with Boise. I've been there. It's great, but you know, it's that you might Manhattan might not be in the cards for you right away, and or if it is, you've got to be able to you know figure out how to not have everything you want. And I think the issue of trade-offs, which on one hand is not necessarily bad, it's a good skill for these young adults to, to deal with. So maybe we're forced to deal with it because parents have limited resources. A lot of them are worried about their own retirement. They, they can't keep supporting this. And yet they don't necessarily have to feel that they failed when they say, okay, let's work together, talk with their young adult. Okay, we'll support you if it, it requires you to get a new laptop because this will help in a job. We'll support you to do this because this might help you get a job or help you with your career. But, you know, we, we can't afford to help send you on a vacation or do this or that. And I think if it's, um, it, it involves a discussion, but most of the time, Young adults and their parents, it, it can work out just fine. It can. I, I do think that the root of some of these things starts very young, that we give our kids everything at very, very young ages. And by everything, I mean from American Girl doll paraphernalia to, you know, and any kind of game system they want. Like, we really, we really do. And it, it's, 
I, I, I'm not even sure exactly how to stop that. But when you're raised like that, yes. it's very hard then to live like what feels like a, a pauper, you know, like, yes. like you. So it, it's difficult. I think that part of what we need to do, and we're not going to solve this problem today, is to raise kids in a way that is not as indulgent. We really are overdoing it. And most parents will agree. This is this is not um, something that we don't already know. Uh, you don't, but you don't want to be the only one. It's it used to be that kids would say, "I want the nice sneakers, I want the whatever." Now it's parents saying, "Of course you're going to have that. Of course you're going to have that." And it's you know we get pleasure out of giving as parents too. It's not that it's that you're right. There's not a good guy and bad guy here. It's it's all there. It's pleasurable to give, but it's got a downside. So what you're really talking about though a, a lot is expectations. We're talked about expectations in college, but then that these expectations evolve into young adulthood. So how do you help parents deal with these evolving expectations from a financial standpoint, because in some ways, I think you've got a better platform to talk with parents because it's concrete. You're really, you know, it's it's in the numbers here and you've got to make real decisions. So how do you do that? Yes. And um, and it, it in some ways, the numbers do help because, there, you know, there's so much emotion tied into this that where do you start? Well, when you look at a plan and, and you do a financial plan for, for a family, you, you, you take a look and you say, what what resources do you have? Where where what are your priorities? And do you have enough to to uh, pay for the rest of your your life? One of the issues that some one person said, well, my I guess if I don't have enough, my children will will pay for me later uh-huh. on. And and I and my response to that was two things: maybe your children don't want that responsibility, and secondly, when children have their own families, there's all sorts of other demands on them, and yes. who knows how that's going to work. So it is important for you as a parent to to figure out what is your plan for yourself as well as your children, kind of with like the airplane analogy, when you're losing altitude, you have to make sure you have oxygen before mm-hmm. you make, uh, can, can provide it for the, the, uh, your uh, young adult or, or child that's on the plane. Um, the second issue that um, we talk about, and you've, you've kind of hit on that with expectation, is a discussion. The parents and young adults need to talk about their financial plans. So you ask your young adult, for example, what are the most pressing expenses that you have that might be required for you to be able to get a job or keep a job and will assist you in this area? And so you can't guess that. You have to have a discussion. Uh, The third issue related to that is, as a parent, is you target assistance. It's, It's not a blank check. We have limitations, there are trade-offs, we're gonna start targeting. Just like a company targets uh, finances, just as other people do, you target assistance with a plan with your children. Uh, The fourth thing is, let's say you've been paying a lot of bills and as a parent you realize that this has to stop. Well, going cold turkey is not really a good approach. First of all, the young adults views it as just a punishment. They don't know what hit them, and they don't really have time to transition. So you really need to sit down and discuss a transitional plan. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and that may not come very easily to either. I mean, I, I'm, I'm even going to speak for myself. Sometimes it's just easy to pay the bill than yes. to come up with the idea of, you know, figuring out how to get them on their own phone plan. And this is just an aside, but sometimes I think that even the phone companies conspire against us when we want to do that. Because we go to the 
phone company and say, you know, we want separate. Well, wait a minute. That's not such a good idea. And I can get you a better plan even for a family plan. So it's it just always seems like there's something conspiring to help us not move on as you've suggested we need to do. I think there is a, a an, you know, we all suffer from inertia. And mm-hmm. I think what is surprising is how long without setting up some type of deadline, it'll go another year, another two years or three yes. years. Yeah. And, and you really, when does this end? And I think that's not really helpful for both the parent and the child. I think, you know, the one thing that most young adults want to do is they want to eventually feel totally independent. And it's kind of a mixed message to always say, yes, but, you know, we're, we're, we'll support this and support that. So um, it's, it's good to, to help in certain ways, but there's also some benefits to allowing independence to grow. Yeah, there definitely are. And I think sometimes what you have to do, even though you said cold turkey is, is not good, sometimes your, your child will want cold turkey. Um, sometimes they'll just say, you know what, I want I want to be on my own for a while, stay off my back, yep. let me do what I want to do, whether it's, you know, let me drop out of college or let me not go to college or, you know, I just want to be on my own. Sometimes those are the kids who wind up doing the best. And I would have to say in my own practice that I find the kids who are tend to be struggling the most, and this is just an anecdote, I don't have data to back me up on this, but tend to be the students who we did sort of push into college. Um, and it, they had no plan. I, I, I am a real believer, if you go to college, like I said, you should have a plan in mind of what you want to do. Because it's not necessary anymore to go to college in order to be a thinking person. Our high schools do a pretty good job of getting you thinking. Um, it's, it's really, you've got to have a plan as to what you'd like to do with your college degree. And I, yeah, so I, I find that it's the kids who just went because everybody expected them to go that tend to be working in those jobs that are underpaid, you know, fo- on, on the phone selling something or doing something who are not doing as well, who are having more trouble getting on. And I don't think it's college or not college. I think it's that they never had a plan in place to begin with. They didn't know the meaning of what it was that they were doing. And, and you know, that gets to the issue of what, let's say you're a parent who said, you know, that's great, but I want to keep supporting my child. The issue is, is support simply financial or are there lots of avenues of emotional and educational support you can provide? And I, I would say that, that young people have so many pressures on them mm-hmm. that let's say even if you're not providing any financial support, there is such a need for emotional support. Yes. You know, oh, I, I understand you didn't get that job, but, you know, we're, you're, it's good that you're, you know, stay, you know, stay with it, be encouraging, you know. There's so many ups and downs and that, and that if a parent is providing good emotional support and not every time uh, there's a hardship, they say, oh, you're a failure. That is a huge benefit that, that is, a parent can really provide. And by, by saying, well, we're going to limit financial support doesn't mean that they have to live in emotional or just also life history support of, you know what, this, th- these things come in, there's ebbs and flows. Right. Don't, don't panic. Right. Stay right. with it. 
Um, right. You know, sometimes you, you might not like this, but here's where it could lead. So, so stay patient. Right. And I think a lot of times kids do not have that resilience built up in them. And that, that's in some ways our own faults as parents um, over the years that we, we didn't make them do the chores. We didn't, you know, they didn't get up at six in the morning to walk themselves to school or whatever. You know, I'm exaggerating. Yes. But, but so they don't, we, now's the time that we, now is the time that we can help them build some resilience. Yes. And it's through those sorts of discussions. It's through um, helping them understand that they're, they're capable of doing something, that they have agency in being able to do something. And that, yes, sometimes, in fact, all the time, I would say, over the course of a lifetime, you will have a bad job. You'll have a bad boss. You'll you'll find yourself in a situation that you really want to get out of, and you'll get out of it. And I think that's where parents can be so important in sort of helping, guiding them, and making things more norm- normalizing those sorts of life events for them and letting them know they'll get through it. Yeah, and I think your point about resiliency is really, really on target because um, – it, it, it's not just economic resiliency, it's, it's mental resiliency because there are a lot of ups and downs. And um, if a parent steps in too many times, too quickly, you don't give the child the opportunity or the adult child or, or even as a, in, in, in their 20s. Uh, I've still seen parents say, well, you know what, that, uh, my, my daughter or son's in a bad job. I'm just going to pay and, and that's it. And, and it's like, well, maybe there's a learning experience that they're going through that you have shortchanged. Right, right, exactly. Well, thank you so much for your insight today. Uh, This has been, I think, a really great discussion, and hopefully our listeners will be thinking about ways that they can even adjust their own lives. And um, I think a lot of this is really just opening up the discussion and and getting out of our rigid thinking about what adulthood is like, what college is supposed to be like, and even what our parenting style is is supposed to be like um, in terms of letting kids fail and letting kids make some of their own decisions that might not be the kinds of decisions that we might have made for them. Yes, and a final note I would add would be that people oftentimes avoid financial discussions and understand that it is, it's not something that you should push aside, that everybody has to address it in some form or another. Don't be embarrassed about it, but still be open to having the discussion. Yes, and with your children, I think is what you're saying too. Correct. Not just with each other as parents, but with your children. I think that, again, uh, numbers speak louder than uh, just ideas. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. This is Shrinking It Down. Mental Health Made Simple. I'm Ellen Broughton. See you next time.